BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, yo, this is Big Daddy Kane, and you're listening to another hot interview on The Library with Tim Einenkel on RapStation.com. The cops like us. Little babies in dirty diapers. This type of life is making a hyper. People scouting a tossed out building. They got killed when the cold air filled in. It's held really suggested. Veteran author and hip-hop historian Brian Coleman joins me today in the library with Tim Einenkel on RapStation.com to discuss his latest book about hip-hop liner notes called Check the Technique, Volume 2. Brian Coleman, thank you so much for joining me in the library. Very nice to be here. I appreciate you having me. You conclude the um, Want the Dead or Alive uh, chapter with a quote from um, Kooji Rap saying that he just wanted to be considered the best, or at least one of the best. And... I have to assume that since you concluded with that quote, that's kind of your feelings as well. Um, if I'm wrong, please tell me. Um, but uh, I wanted to actually I wanted to get your top five MCs. So a lot of people ask me to do top fives, and I think the uh, the Chris Rock movie is not helping uh, <laughs> that kind of getting thrown around. I generally try and steer away from that because I think that that's a way to narrow things too much to the point where so if I tell you my top five then you're not gonna people aren't gonna pay attention to the people outside of who's number six or seven or something like that which I just is all hip-hop to me and I tend not to rank people I mean I think um I would think my I would say my two favorite and I won't say any either of them is one and two is um, Chuck D and I'm not just saying that because of where this podcast is but uh, he truly is one of my favorite MCs and uh, just because of his voice because of his delivery because of what he was saying um, and Karis one's way way up on my list too and I think usually gets left out of a lot of people's lists um, so yeah I mean Rock Kim I can't front like there's just no way you could possibly leave him off um, so you know I, I could go on and on and on but I, I generally think that a lot of times I'm kind of I'll, I'll be honest I'm like torn about these top at whatever lists because in one way I think that and I'm not saying you're doing this because I you're not doing this but uh, there are a lot of outlets out there that would rather do a list than actually do an article and I don't ever want to feed into that because I there's so much lazy journalism out there that it drives me insane uh, and and the list is the way to do that but the good thing about it is it does create debate and it, and it lets pa- uh, fans be very passionate 
Um, but it also, I think, starts to exclude people and not really... There's no real advantage to, to ranking MCs. I mean, I'd rather uh, talk about people who are underrated um, and just list 100 of you know MCs who are kind of underrated than try and narrow it down. Because I, I, personally, for, my, for myself on a personal level, ranking things doesn't really get me anywhere. Um, so, but, but I do like that it, it does kind of create some debate. But, but the one thing I'll say is uh, I think definitely Karis one needs more uh, respect than he generally gets when people talk about best of all time because he still sounds dope and he never steps to the mic without a reason. Like there's always something he's trying to accomplish when he steps to the mic. And you definitely can't say that with most MCs who make a lot of top five lists. <laughs> Uh, we talked earlier about stories that you hear that might have, you know, about a track or about an album that might have disappointed you. Uh, but one track that I was happy, that made me happy to hear Coogee Rap talk about was uh, Streets of New York because it's one of my favorite of all time. I think it's like the blueprint of Illmatic, like of how to tell a story. Um, and when Coogee Rap talks about it, you just hear him, he's a fan, he becomes a fan of the work. Uh, how does that make you feel as a journalist or someone who's doing the, uh, someone who's doing this book, Check uh, Technique Volume Two? Like when you hear an artist become a fan of their own work, that's really the ultimate. Well, there's two things I guess I'd say to that. The um, when when I can kind of help an artist go back and reassess their own greatness, that means a lot to me because kind of like we, we were talking a little bit about before where you get involved in the industry quote unquote uh, after a while it really starts to mess with your head like you start kind of you know it clouds the way that you view what you're going to do next because like wow I didn't sell as many with that last record so maybe I'm doing something wrong and um, it can and once the late and if the label starts saying hey you know what like you got to get this hot producer because you got to do this and otherwise your record's not going to sell and which is total bs like that's not it, it just depends it doesn't have to be a known producer it doesn't have to be a known mc if you make great music you make great music so yeah i would say that that's incredible when something like that does happen the same thing i remember when i was talking to eric sermon about the first epmd um years and years ago and just he kind of paused and was like that really was a dope record and then I was kind of like, yeah, duh, yeah, it was. But but at the same time, you can see why he'd forget how dope it was. Um, because it, it for me as a fan, I try and bring myself back to that more innocent time when it's just like no one knew that EPMD, that was going to work. Because like, I had never really been done before. The way they put music together, uh, the way they both sounded, blah, blah. So um, the other thing, too, that, that I think that people tend to forget that I try and remind people about is that artists are the ultimate fans because literally that's the highest level of fandom is to want to create music on your own so you love it so much that you want to be part of it that you want to and and different people do it different ways you know like luckily I never tried to be an MC. <laughs> I'm a big fan, but that would not have gone well. So in my own way, I guess I try and contribute by writing these books because I feel that maybe that's the best way for me as a fan to express 
and try and give back to, to what hip hop has given to me. And, and that's what, what artists do too. They say, wow, I mean, so Nas was like, Cool G Rap's my favorite, you know, MC of all time, and I just want to be like him, or I want to do something like that, but even iller. And, and that's always like the, that should be why you do something is to say, all these things have influenced me up to this point, and I'm going to just try and add on to it. I'm going to make, do something. Clearly, you, you can tell most of the time who someone's influenced by and it's how they so the so the question is do they imitate that person and bite or do they kind of go to a, take it to a whole nother level or a different gear or even go in a different direction so um, you can see someone who's influenced by Rakim but they don't sound like Rakim at all but you can kind of be like wow okay I see how they synthesized what was going on before them and branched it out into a whole new thing so um, so that's really, to me, I, I, it's incredible if I can help remind people, remind some of these artists how dope they are. That's that's pretty awesome. So, and I, and I really do think they forget a lot of times because the the music industry and is almost made to make people second guess themselves because no one in the music industry generally knows what the hell they're talking about. There's a select few people in the industry who actually first of all care about art versus just let's make a quick buck and secondly know what the hell they're talking about like they might think they do but then they you start second guessing yourself that's that's like the death knell and then you look at someone like Rakim who uh not through any real fault of his own and like say in the late 90s floundered because he was always waiting for Dre to give him tracks and he was supposed to put out that record and like imagine if he hadn't had to do that and was kind of hadn't been held hostage by the industry for so long and had just been purely working and maybe working with whatever like you know he and LP started doing a record together or he and Jay Dilla started, you know, who knows what could have happened. Um, so sometimes, yeah, it's frustrating. And if you strip it down to just pure artistic expression, yet again, that brings us back to too short Schooly D who had no one at a label saying you should do this or you should do that and didn't have anyone even producing them they produced themselves so it was just pure artistic expression let's put it out and cross our fingers hopefully so people buy enough of these so I don't actually lose money and sometimes they became huge hits sometimes they didn't but at least they tried speaking to Brian Coleman author of uh, Technique Volume 2 I have, a, I have one more question I imagine when doing these interviews, especially a book for a book like this, there's this uh, aha moment. I think this is the first time I've ever said ha-ha in an interview. But, um, you know, you're talking to an artist or a producer or an MC, um, DJ, and, and you're like, ha-ha, I knew it, or ha-ha, this makes me appreciate this so much more. Uh, for me, the aha moment was reading uh, The Coups, uh, Steal This Album, where Boots talks about how he had to adapt his writing style because E-Rock was not in the group anymore. Um, so what was your aha moment for this book? Uh, do you have, you could have more than one or was there one aha moment? Wow. That's a great question. Um, I would say generally these books are kind of a constant stream of aha moments for me. Um, I'm trying to think of, I think we had referenced it a little bit earlier, the black star chapter. Once I started to realize that, um, first of all, they weren't a group. That, that kind of makes you think of it totally differently because most of the times people say 
so for instance like there are a lot of albums that are just collections of one MC or two MCs and a bunch of different producers kind of pieced together but most people are at least it's like it's always a red man album even if there's like seven different producers um, but but like the most Stefan Talbukwali was like knowing that they both went into it with first of all saying like okay I got other stuff to do let's just do this we'll do it as dope as we can but we're not like yeah this is our first of 10 albums and we're gonna like look at the roots if you look at the numbering on the roots albums they all keep going and going i don't know what they're up to now but it's like in the hundreds 150 170 180 something so that was them saying this is a this is we're in for the long haul this is a marathon uh black star record was the opposite it was a sprint in its own way or it was it was always supposed to be a one-off and that just gives you a whole different energy because you know that if you care which clearly they both did um, let's just make this as dope as we possibly can and then that'll set us up to make even doper stuff in the future apart and they both did amazing music apart and uh, but but they'll always be able to say hey we did that black star album and that was special um, because sometimes you say we're going to keep going on forever. And then the third album, you're just like, uh, you know, that this isn't working anymore. And, 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 and groups fall apart. And at least so with Black Star, they knew they went out on top. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like powerful to know that this is it. And who knows, maybe in 20 years, you know, they couldn't have been th- thinking that. But maybe in 20 years, someone will come in and i'm sure this has happened someone will offer us money to try and make another one and uh that kind of thing but but they knew that like let's just do this as dope as possible and then move on because we we have other things we want to do in our careers and so with most with uh yasin obviously acting was part of that um doing solo stuff uh was part of that and with talib reflection eternal was part of that his solo career so so yeah, that that to me was kind of deep, and and I think it really once you do read that chapter and, and realize that it does make you look at, um, look at that album and listen to it differently because you're just like, wow, this is, you know, it's like a one night stand. You know, it's kind of like you you know you're not going to get a second chance, so you have to uh, do as do do as as well as you possibly can, uh, you know, <laughs> or then or then the, the, your your partner is going to talk to all their friends and be like, oh man, it wasn't good. And like don't mess with don't mess with them, you know. So so you know you gotta you gotta uh, step up to the plate. <laughs> That's a weird analogy, but I, I, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> um, and I think also what, what, a great thing about that chapter is that you kind of you 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 realize how absurdly talented these guys are. The fact that they're doing this one album, but Yasin and Talib Kweli have two separate projects they're focusing on, and you have someone, for example, like me, who in college tried forever to write a one rhyme, and I had one good line, and then that's all I had. And then these guys are writing obviously multiple multiple tracks. And and I guess the the other final thing about the the Black Star album too is that 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 also beyond and so, so this, sometimes a classic um, becomes a classic for external reasons. So that also was going way way back earlier in this interview talking about how bad all the stuff on major labels was, and so it became this because uh, the the record did not sell like gangbusters. It was not like a platinum album. I don't even think it went gold. 
Uh, I could be wrong. I don't think it did, though. Um, so it's kind of like, but but you would never know that with its fans. To its fans, that could have easily been a 10 million selling record because they're so attached to it um, in the same way that people are attached to uh, a Public Enemy record or a Run DMC record because it was, if you were into hip-hop and you were kind of a progressive-thinking person and... If you were in college and learning all this new stuff and that album just came at the exact right time and it kind of everything came together in that record and it and it and it, uh, it was it exemplified the era it exemplified New York and the lyricist lounge and like in a lot of ways that record was more about or as much about the lyricist lounge as like the lyricist lounge compilations that came out because they were just at the epicenter of it. They were the perfect ultimate example of what the Lyricist Lounge was about because that's really how they first kind of came together and built is through a lot of that. So so, so sometimes, and that had nothing to do with the record, but sometimes the external things that were going on um, in the same way, going back to Fight the Power of Public Enemy, that record could have come out in a vacuum and it would have been incredible. The fact that it came out and it was attached to do the right thing and it just meant so much more and that people still rock that today and it still fires them up in that same way that that you can hear about any kind of injustice in the world and hear that that record that that's that's timeless music so it's it has to be dope at its core but sometimes it can have incredible things societal things attached to it that um for better for worse you know that that uh kind of Go, and it can work in the opposite way in that, you know, Kwame, you can't talk to, about Kwame without being like, oh, yeah, polka dots, man. And, you know, he, you can be sure he's, he does not like uh, to hear about the polka dots because it's kind of like, you know, I, I was a little bit more than just the polka dots in, in my hairstyle. But um, so anyways, it can, it can work two ways um, sometimes, but, but, but uh, it can become timeless. And when it be, becomes timeless, it's just really powerful. He's the veteran author and a hip-hop historian, Brian Coleman. Um, new book, Check the Technique, Volume 2. Uh, thank you so much, Brian, for joining me in the library with Tim Einigal on RapStation.com. It's been an absolute honor. I enjoyed it. Keep up the great work.
different when you lie and address something you don't know. It's so whack that it's bound to show. When you lie about me or the band, we get angry. What about our pin star ranking again? And the things we write are always true, sucker. Get a grip, now we talking about you. Seems to me that you have a problem. So we can see what we can do to solve them. Think rap the fan, you must be mad. Cause we're so bad, we get respect you never had. Tell the truth, James Brown was old. Tell Eric and Rock came out what I got soul. Rap brings back O-R-M-B. And if we would not, people could have forgotten. We want to make this perfectly clear. We're talented and strong and have no fear. Of those who choose to judge but lack pizzazz. Talking all that jazz. Now we're not trying to be a boss to you. We just want to get across to you. That if you're talking jazz, the situation is a no-win. You might even get hurt, my friend. That's a sonic, the hip-hop band And like Sly and the Family Stone, we will stand Up for the music we live and play And for the song we sing today But now, let us set the record straight And later on we'll have a forum and a formal debate But it's important you remember though What you reap is what you sow Talking all that jazz Talking all that jazz Talking all that jazz Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.